There's so many things we can do to give our kids opportunities to grow that grit. Um, as parents talking, praying and saying, what can we do to give this kid some challenges? Even if it makes me uncomfortable, I know it's best for them in the long run. Hello, and welcome to the Arts of Language podcast with Andrew Poudois, founder of the Institute for Excellence in Writing, or as many like to say, IEW. My name is Julie Walker, and I'm honored to serve Andrew and IEW as the Chief Marketing Officer. Our goal is to equip teachers and teaching parents with methods and materials which will aid them in training their students to become confident and competent communicators and thinkers. Andrew, I know that you are often tickled when we have certain guests on our podcast. Well, that's me today. I am so thrilled to welcome back to our podcast, Monica Swanson, who we had on a couple years ago when she was launching her newest book, Boy Mom, Right. which of course, you know why that resonates with me because I'm a boy mom. But um, today she's going to talk to us about her new book, which I just love. Monica, welcome to our podcast. Thank you so much. It's great to be back. Well, I love I love the title of your book, but I think I love better the subtitle, Raising Amazing. I mean, I got to love that, right? Right. Bringing up kids who love God, like their family, and do the dishes without being asked. I mean, <laughs> what else do you want? That That reminds me of what I used to say to my boys when they asked me, Mom, what do you want for Christmas? They're saying it right now if right. they're listening to this podcast. Oh, okay. And, and I, you would always say? A clean house of well-behaved kids. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Right. What, isn't that all you want, right? They, they would have emptied their bank account buying you something other than having to look at the specter of <laughs> clean, clean house clean. <laughs> and perfect behavior. <laughs> right. But part of what Monica's got in this book is I, I like the part where you said imperfectly perfect mm -hmm. or perfectly imperfect, mm -hmm. uh, one or the other. Because uh, everybody in the whole world, if you have children, you feel like you're not the perfect parent. Yes. Of course, your kids don't know that, which is part of the mm -hmm. advantage. Mm -hmm. Oh, I heard a, a really interesting <laughs> comment that I thought resonated, and I remembered it again looking at your book here. It's that when we are growing up, we don't realize that our parents are still growing up. Mm -hmm. You know, at 50 or 60, you look back and you think, wow, I was very young and quite immature when I became mm -hmm. a parent in so many ways. Yes. But you are trying to help parents bridge that gap between not knowing what to do and growing up into parenting happily, healthfully, successfully. So this is the owner's manual that we've been looking for all these years, Monica. <laughs> so we, we, so we will give this so. to our children <laughs> yes. for Christmas. Yes. <laughs> well, great. So um, you were the boy mom, mm -hmm. and you're, you've kind of shifted over now into uh, a broader area. What motivated you to kind of adjust your persona in that way? Yes. Well, once a hashtag boy mom, always a boy mom. So <laughs> I will always 
always uh, right, Julie? Right. So that's going to be a part of me. But yes, I found that so many people were messaging me and saying, you know, I read Boy Mom and I have daughters or I have one son and a couple daughters. And most of that book really applied to girls as well as boys. And as I got more and more questions in response to Boy Mom, and I felt kind of that nudge that I was going to write one more book and really focus on a few areas, I thought, you know, this really isn't just for boys. And um, also, it's not just for moms, um, because I got to bring my husband's voice into this one. And so we decided to just broaden it. I'm still going to understand those boys the best. But you know, I'm a girl. (laughs) <laughs> I, I have lots of friends with daughters, so I I get the girls too, and and so I'm hoping this book will encourage moms and dads of boys and girls. You've written a lot of books, Monica. Well, I don't know, but you've written a lot compared to oh, a, a lot of people. The rest of the people in the world. <laughs> yeah. you know. But you've even written one on healthy eating, and mm-hmm. you and I have had conversations about that because you 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 know I've been on this weight loss journey. And mm-hmm. it, it was fun to see you today and have you say, oh, you look great. I love that when people say mm-hmm. that. <laughs> so what, what's your story? How do you get these ideas to write books? And what's this book about? <laughs> well, I, I wish I could share some master plan that I orchestrated early on. But really, <laughs> as as God's done things in my life, really what I'm doing is just turning around and and sharing the wisdom I've learned, the the research I've done and all of that with anyone else who might be just walking a few steps behind me in mm-hmm. the journey. And that's what I found is the people who help me the most are those who have walked through things. And I can just say, tell me how you did it, you know, give me your wisdom. So that's been my heart's desire is to just pass on uh, God's goodness in my life. And so, yeah, I kind of went through some challenges. My background is sports medicine. My husband's a doctor. And so a lot of my story was being really, you know, active in it athlete and loving fitness, but still really struggled with some of the um, just body image and and diet and understanding just how to have your head on straight these days. It's so hard with so many voices out there trying to give you, you know, their plan and their formula, which most of the time is about I'm giving them your money, um, but kind of coming to a place of peace with all of that and and really you know, it was God that set me free. And so I wanted to share that before anything, because that was a huge, just life transformation for me. And it's been a long time since it happened, but it stuck and it worked. And so, yeah, that was my little self-published book uh, that is still available on Amazon. And then um, really though, my heart was for parenting. And when once I kind of dealt with my own stuff, it was like, yay, now I have the freedom to really dive in and and be who I feel God's called me to be. And that's a great wife and mom. And so as I started homeschooling my boys and bringing them up and focusing on their character, I just saw that some of the things I'd learned along the way were working. And I was like, maybe some other people need this too. So I started blogging and then a few of those blog posts went viral, as they call it, mm-hmm. And when a few million people were reading them and publishers started saying, you know, maybe this should be a book. I've just really walked through those open doors that God's given me and it's been so much fun seeing a community built and encouraging people. And, you know, so much today out there is just such gloom and doom for parents. It's just bad news, scary warnings, just not a lot of hope out there for parenting in the crazy world we're raising our kids in. And so Mm -hmm. I just love that. I feel like I get this chance to be a voice of hope and of good news that so far my four sons are all truly great kids. None of us are perfect, but they do love God. They do have great character. They are making great choices in life. And I just want to 
really tell people that it can be done. There's no guarantees, but there's a lot we can do as parents to really foster that and help make it come true. So that's kind of been my story is just really enjoying the journey God's given me and then passing it along. So some listeners may be uh, interested to know, how old are your sons at this time? Yes, yes. So I have three legal adults somehow. It just happened overnight. Uh, They were just born like last week, you know. But (laughs) anyway, my oldest is 23. He graduated from Westmont College in Santa Barbara with a data analytics major. And he Mm -hmm. got a real job and he's adulting, like he's Mm -hmm. paying rent and somehow financially independent. So I'm so proud of him. And and he loves God and loves his church. And so he's in Santa Barbara. And then uh, the next is 21. My Jonah is a junior at Westmont College studying engineering. And he is an RA for his dorm and just making a lot of great choices too, doing well. And then my 18-year-old graduated from high school, homeschool high school last year, but he is pursuing a professional surf career. And he's doing some online college slowly but surely. Uh, And so our home is his home base, but he travels the world much of the year. And that's been really fun for us to get to cheer him on. And then I have a 12-year-old who's doing homeschool with me, and he has chosen the golf path. So that's brand new to us. And now we've got, you know, we're caddies and learning how to cheer on our little golfer. (laughs) Wow, that sounds great. I'm curious because I would guess that sending sons to California in particular Mm -hmm. for college, you must have had a little bit of concern about that, given the fact that, you know, even Christian colleges have a a progressive Mm -hmm. side to them that really has, I mean, I personally know many kids whose faith has been seriously undermined, even at a Christian college. Correct. So was that a concern for you? How did you help prepare them? Were there any um, danger spots along the way that they navigate? Or mm-hmm. how, what was your whole experience with that? Totally. Such a good question and and really a message that I try to bring up often as I'm talking to the younger parents or parents with younger kids. And that is that you absolutely want to be sure your kids are prepared before they go to any college. But yes, maybe even especially Christian colleges, my sons would say, you know, it might be safer to send your kid to a big um, secular school where they're going to have to find their people, find their little, you know, tribe than to a Christian college where everyone kind of assumes everyone else are believers. And then there's just so many danger zones there and and certainly uh, a liberal tone with a lot of professors, there's the whole deconstruction of faith. But I will say the best thing you can do is just have the conversations with your kids while they're growing up. Make sure they understand a biblical worldview. If you aren't comfortable with where they're at, make good choices about where you're sending them. For us, our boys were really well-grounded. They knew God's word. We talked about what they were going to face ahead how they needed to bring anything they heard back to God's word and and know that dad and I are here, give us a call, talk through things. Uh, but they were really, really prepared. And certainly they've had a mix of amazing professors who are theologically sound and then others who they weren't on the same page with, but they knew what to do with that. So yes, parents listening, prepare your kids well, because you don't want to mess around with sending them away, especially to California, <laughs> if they are not grounded. <laughs> Yeah. And and that's really what your book is mm. helping people to, you know, think in that direction. Mm-hmm. And 
the idea of being grounded and anchored mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that you're not pushed around during the yep. you know storms of higher education yes and it's so easy today i think for parents to hear kind of horror stories of things that are happening on campuses mm-hmm. yeah and just have a fear about that and you know one of the things i get from you is that you know how to combat fear. And you've taught your kids how to combat fear. Hmm. What are some of the specifics you could mention in terms of directions or experiences that were particularly helpful in that way? Obviously, living in Hawaii, there's sharks, there's really big waves. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm sure there's other things that could create fear. Hurricanes, maybe. I don't know. (laughs) Tsunamis. But I I know you talk a lot in the book about character first, Mm -hmm. which is easy for people to say, Mm -hmm. but hard to do. Well, insert plug here for Monica's course. She actually Mm -hmm. has a course on character training. Yes, I do. Mm -hmm. I do. And that came after Boy Mom because I talk about character in Boy Mom and had so many people say, we want to understand more because I talk about something I did with one of my boys when he was a young teenager related to character training, I called it. And so, yeah, I created an online course and you can maybe include a link to that because I only open the doors a few times a year. But certainly, um, <laughs> I mean, I'm just such a believer in opening up honest conversations with our kids. And one of the final chapters of the book is is really about talking about everything. How We can't assume that kids know what we think or what is right and wrong. Like we we need to have conversations. We need to listen to what they're thinking, but we also want to, again, continue to point them to a biblical worldview. And what does God's word say? Because it's not about my opinion or what seems right to me, but it's really about the authority of God's word. So that's what we keep bringing them back to. And when it comes to things that are scary or dangerous or all the rest, you know, having an eternal perspective is huge. And I think that the best way for parents to pass that on to their kids is to just model it, to live each day, knowing that, you know, what you do for God is what's going to last relationships with people and investing in his kingdom is is really what matters most. So I don't think that's something you can fake. You can't even talk about it and make it happen. You have to live it. And I think that's probably the most challenging thing for us as parents to live with character and live with a faith that plays out in everyday life. And then I really do believe that it, there's no guarantees, but most of the times kids catch that. And then they start to walk that out in their own life as well. So modeling is number one, talking about it, and um, and just keeping those doors of communication open as they face new things. Yeah, I, I think one of the things that teenagers are perhaps the most allergic to, the thing that, that has the potential to undermine their faith the most is hypocrisy mm-hmm. in the adults oh, yeah. around them. And it's tough because, you know, you, you always realize two things at once. I'm doing my best, mm-hmm. but... I'm totally failing to be perfect. Mm -hmm. And in that way, I'm a hypocrite. Mm -hmm. I can't live the gospel perfectly. I can't be 100% charitable and kind and loving all the time. And so I'm curious how you would deal with times, and I'm assuming there were some times where (laughs) your kids would, you know, they would kind of point out your hypocrisy. Sure. Sure. Well, I think that's just your greatest opportunity to to point to the gospel and to make sure you're 
you know, very honest and you own your mistakes and you're humble. And that's probably the most important modeling of all is to just say, this is an area, you know, I blew it. Or some, I talked to a lot of parents who maybe are halfway through their kids are already teenagers and they're just realizing that there's areas that they've over time just not been on their game. And I say, the best thing you can do is just own that and say, I am not perfect. I mean, they already have figured out you're not perfect. So like you said, hypocrisy is the worst thing you can do if you try to act like you are. So own your mistakes, tell them that you're seeking God's forgiveness, that you're going to really work on, on making whatever change it is needs to be made. I think that's going to inspire a kid more than anything. And they're going to, they're going to then also see what it looks like because they're going to need to do the same thing in their own life when they make mistakes. So what does it look like? How do we handle that? How do we turn it around? And I think that's the best thing we can do. Yeah. I have a a very good friend who says the answer to every problem is repentance. Mm. (laughs) That's huge. And, you know, obviously you don't solve every problem completely, but it's the start. The heart. Yeah. It's it's just the hardest thing. And, Mm -hmm. And I think probably all of us think, well, I, I learned that too late. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wish I had had a spirit of repentance earlier in life totally. and everything would be better as a result. So I think your book really helps build that, not with that word being repeated mm-hmm. too much, but by examples. Um, mm-hmm. I think I read, I, oh, one of the things I so liked about this book, and I know you've pretty much finished and it's published, what, yesterday or tomorrow or something. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, the one thing I wish there had actually been more of was comments by your kids. Well, and I want to ask, Monica, because I've seen your emails, your super friendly emails that I just love to get. You, uh, a few weeks ago, had an offer to all of us saying that if we pre-ordered, which mm-hmm. okay, you can't pre-order now because the book came out uh. yesterday. We actually timed this podcast. <laughs> but you included, as a special bonus, some interviews with your boys. Oh. Can uh-huh. we include that to our listeners? Can we put in our show notes some links to those recordings so that we can just, you know, share a little love with our listeners about wow. how cool Monica is and well, honestly you know what? what great kids you Yeah, have. nothing speaks louder than the example of a teenager. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. When I'm at a homeschool conference and talking to you know, people and they're asking questions about what we do. Mm-hmm. And then there's a, you know, 16 year old kid there who's, who pipes in and says, well, I did this and that and that and that. <laughs> Man, you can't yes. even for any price buy right. yes. advertising right. that would be as effective. And so uh, I, I felt that way reading uh, thank the, this, you. the things your, your boys, I especially love the one where you were talking about the marriage and date nights. And one of your sons loved it so much. He said it was like, you know, brother's night or or, (laughs) bro night. night. (laughs) And that the fact that you would leave them and grow your own relationship for their benefit. Mm -hmm. And then they were growing in their relationship kind of in a, in a, night of more freedom than they were perhaps used to. (laughs) Right. So I just, I love those little things in there. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. Each chapter has a note from one of my boys, the 12 year old included, and probably the most fun, I'll say this is one book. I'm I'm a big 
paper book person. Like I really like to get a book in my hands, but we did record the audio version of the book over the holidays while all the boys were home. And so I'm going to encourage people to listen to the audio because to hear my 12 year old read his parts was like worth it in itself. So the audio version is super fun. And yes, I'll say, um, I'd love to give access to your listeners to those for interviews with my boys, which were really fun, some real casual, but honest. And they each covered different topics. I really asked them questions that people had sent in via social media and through my email list. And people asked a lot of questions and a lot of questions were repeated. So my boys are talking about how their faith became their own. They're talking about, you know, uh, sibling relationships when they used to fight more when they were young and how now they've grown up to be best friends, which is a big part of this book as well. So the interviews are really fun and I'd love to share them with the listeners. And then also the audio version of the book is so cool to just hear them read their own parts that they wrote themselves, which was so special. So the book is available then also on Audible. Is that what you're saying, Monica? Yes, it is. Yes. Hopefully by the time this comes out, I'm not sure the date, but it will be very close to when the book launches. Oh, that's so awesome. I love it. And I'm just going to say this. I really like it when an author is able to read their own book. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's just that feeling Mm -hmm. of connection that's so much more, I don't know, uh, energizing, illuminating than when there's some, you know, professional actor or reader or whatever. So, and and you'd have all the different voices. So, you know, that would be (laughs) even more delightful. Does your husband read his sections of the book? He does. He does that. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. You know, he's a doctor and he's not super animated. So I was like, come on, bring it out. (laughs) Bring it out. But he did great. He did so good. Oh, good. One of the uh, chapters that grabbed my attention is about adversity. Mm. Um, I think it's called Remember Adversity Grows Character. Mm -hmm. And an idea that I've been working a lot with in my own mind and and teaching a little bit on is challenging people's concept of stress. Because most people, when they hear the word stress, they immediately go to, well, I want to avoid stress. I want to mitigate stress. I want to manage stress. But on the other hand, if you look at people who have a greater impact in the world, they actually have a lot more stress than people who have a lesser impact so in, in, in certain ways. So the idea of rather than mitigating stress, building resilience to stress. And, you know, part of that is physiological. Part of it is, you know, mental. A lot of it is spiritual. But I think it all does kind of come together in that word, you know, character. So what are some of the ways in which adversity can have kind of a a positive hormetic effect? Mm. In other words, if it doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger. What are some of the things that you use as examples? Yes. Well, I this is one of my very favorite chapters because I do, I look around us and I look at my own home and I'm like, there's no doubt kids today have a really easy life. Like you don't have to look far back in history to consider just how much, you know, kids don't have to do today that they had to do just for simple survival of families throughout time. 
And we love our kids and we want them to have a good life. I want my kids to be comfortable and well-fed and, you know, they get three meals a day plus snacks and they sleep on a bed. I mean, even that alone is huge, but our kids aren't facing a whole lot of natural challenges. Now, some kids might have, you know, something they might live with a disability or have some challenge and, and God bless them. And I encourage parents, if that's your story to really tap into that and help kids see how that can grow them into greatness. But for those who are more typical, we need to create some challenges for our kids. Otherwise they're going to launch into the world and just get squashed because out there in the real world, they're not going to go easy on our kids. And so we're not doing them any favors by raising them in a bubble or, or making sure that they never face consequences if they don't do their schoolwork or if they don't show up to work on time or when they have a conflict. If we swoop in and micromanage, we are not doing them any favors. So yes, I'm a big believer in making kids work. I think they need jobs in and outside of the home. I mean, my two oldest sons got a job at a local restaurant that was pretty intense and they learned quickly what it looks like to work hard and not talk back and be on time and go the extra mile. That was one of the best things for them, even though it was painful for me to see my mm -hmm. sweet little homeschooled 16-year-old <laughs> working with this interesting restaurant bunch. But I think work is huge. I think sports and other extracurriculars where they're sitting under maybe the authority of somebody other than mom and dad and, uh, you know, having to follow some rules and maybe have a coach or a referee that makes a call they don't agree with. But there's so many things we can do to give our kids opportunities to grow that that grit that may not happen if we let them be too comfortable or sit in front of screens all day or, you know, whatever else. So I think being intentional, just looking at your child um, as parents talking, praying and saying, what can we do to give this kid some challenges? Even if it makes me uncomfortable, I know it's best for them in the long run. Are there any other specific examples of challenges that you were able to find or contrive mm -hmm. that you think the kids would look back on and say, yeah, that was really significant sure. or that was a turning point in my life? Yeah, I think the two things probably, sports are one of my favorite ways to do this, just because even if a kid isn't, you know, super coordinated, they can all run a 5K. They can all hike up a hill. I mean, as long as they're, you know, healthy enough to do that. So I think physical challenges have been huge for our family when, you know, some of our kids haven't really wanted to try something, but we push them out and, you know, our surfer son has had to face some really big waves and, and mm -hmm. through tears, we said, we trust your coach <laughs> knows what he's doing and he wants you to go out there. And so I go home and, and try to put it out of my mind that he's out there on those big waves. But yeah, having them face physical challenges. And then the other thing is really probably a time when I remember my husband uh, taking the video game console and hiding it and saying, I'm going <laughs> to challenge you to read more books. And, you know, they had to really unplug from screens and instead read some good, thicker, harder books. And that particular son I'm thinking of grew to love literature and, and mm. love big, big books. And it, it wasn't easy because he didn't want to at first. But what that developed in him was really special. 
Monica, I'm thinking about the story you talk about Luke and facing the big waves. Mm. I was at one of his competitions yes. where there was a shark in the water. Seriously? <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> and and they were saying, oh, it's up to the parents if you want to let the kids continue to surf or not. And I, I don't remember, Monica, what you did with Luke. Maybe he, his, it wasn't I feel his... like he might have just come out of the water when they figured it out. <laughs> it was a <laughs> shark. Oh, my. <laughs> or or right? we need... A little more information. How big of a shark? <laughs> exactly. Okay. Yes, so that was scary. You, in your dedication to your parents and mm-hmm. to your husband's parents, mm-hmm. you really note that they had a huge influence yeah. on you and your thinking. Mm-hmm. And that's beautiful. I'm wondering if there's any particular memories from your childhood where there was either a a conveniently accidental adversity or some contrived adversity that you would look back and say, well, that really that really changed my thinking or put me on a path? Oh, great question. I don't think anyone's ever asked me that. Well, the first thing that pops into my head is just the example my parents set. Like, I've never known harder working people. And as we record, they're here in Hawaii. They spend part of their year here, but they are in their 80s and they still are constantly tackling projects. And I'm pretty convinced that's what's kept them healthy as they've aged. They are always doing something. They're never sitting around. So I think their example, and my mom was a stay-at-home mom, but I've never known anyone that worked harder. I mean, she really took her job seriously. And I went to a public school, but she was there all the times I needed her. She was home making things lovely and cooking healthy meals. And so I think their example was probably the greatest. Uh, they also just always pushed us to to compete, to do extracurriculars, you know, whether it was sports or other things. And they showed up and cheered us on and they were always there. Uh, you know, even as I got older and I ran some marathons, my dad would fly to wherever I was to be wow. there to cheer me in. And so I think just that competitive kind of spirit, that joy over challenges. And he would just say, you know, you're in the game. doesn't matter if you win or lose, just get in the game. And so I think that attitude was really um, contagious growing up. Well, I'm going to ask you probably the question that almost every person doesn't like being asked. I certainly don't because it's a hard (laughs) one, but I think it's worth you giving, attempting to answer. I want to know, other than the books you've written, what have been the most influential books Mm. in three of them? Number one, on you personally, you know, as a Christian mom. Mm -hmm. Number two, the most important book that you wanted to be sure that your children read or before they they leave, I guess. And number three, what was the best read aloud that you had oh, as a family? Dear. I know this is, this is a oh, surprise, hard, mean question, so but mean. it doesn't have to be the best because it's always impossible. But in those three categories, what would you say to you know, younger moms and listeners who are, you know, in this myriad of a million books Mm -hmm. to choose from. I think it's one of the hardest things right now is for people to figure out what then shall I read? Yes, exactly. And Monica, to be fair, I did not know Andrew was going to ask you these questions. So when you texted (laughs) me, so this is... I, I even asked, what should I be prepared for? That's okay. For? <laughs> what, but what comes to mind is usually the right answer. Well, 
first I'll tell you one of my like deep fears in life is that somebody would put me on a game show and ask me a question that I know and my mind would go <laughs> blank. So that's kind of how I'm feeling right now. <laughs> no, I wish I could just say the Bible for all three, because if I'm honest, you know, that's pretty much the true answer to all three. Okay. So first question is for me as a mom. Wow. I'd have to go back. I mean, I have such a full bookshelf next to me. Let me pause on that You can come one. back to it later if you want. Um, certainly the Bible, yes. I've kind of camped out in James recently, actually. The book of James, just wisdom and, and understanding just the importance of of wisdom um, and, and just growing. There was a book called Growing Slowly Wise, and it's been a long time since I read it, so I should revisit and see. But that really shaped me in my early marriage and parenting years, Growing Slowly Wise. I'll find the author of that. But it was on James. It was a book that covered James and just really talked about what it looks like to grow slowly wise. And um, so that was really impactful in my early years. For Read Alouds, we did a lot of missionary stories. We really, my boys loved missionary stories. For some reason, I think of Gladys Allward, which is one you never really hear about, but a, a woman who was missionary to China. Oh, incredible story. But all the missionary stories were great. Uh, my boys really love Nathaniel Bowditch. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> I think they've got that math and science mind, so they really enjoyed that. Um, I had fun with a book, too, reading aloud called Red Sails to Capri. Have you heard that one? I don't it's know that interesting. one. Interesting. Yeah, that was a really interesting book. Again, I'd have to find the author. Link um, in the show had, notes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there we go. Link in show notes. And then, um, yeah, for me, I, I, I could probably come up with better answers, but... Certainly, I've read a lot of books when my boys were young and and relied on a lot of just people who went before me to to teach me what they had learned through their journey as well. So I'm circling second one um, books oh, that I would want my boys to read. They read a lot of C.S. Lewis. I think that shaped their their imaginations and their faith both. So I don't know if there's one in particular, but C.S. Lewis. Well, you know, if you need uh, another guest blog post from one of your sons, you could always say, what book mm -hmm. do you remember reading? Yeah. You know, probably as a teenager that had the greatest impact and why. That's always good content. <laughs> so the word amazing is a good word, and it, it makes you think of stopping, being astounded, looking at something and saying, wow, that is yeah. so yes. incredible. That is different. And so I love the title that way. And I haven't, I don't think I've met your mm -mm. children nope. personally, in person at all. But I do know I've had experiences of, of interacting with certain kids and thinking that thought, wow, that is an amazing kid. Mm -hmm. And I, I would say that more than Anything else that can happen in my life these days gives me hope for the future. And I would just guess that your kids are becoming missionaries <laughs> for hope. I love that. And what a what a great cause. And I know this is going to just bless many, many people. And I, I do have one last question. Do I have time for okay. one more question? Oh, of course. It's like do. so important. <laughs> But I want to know what are the tropical fruits that you grow oh. at your family home <laughs> on the north shore of Oahu? Yes, mm. we grow a lot. And and thanks to 2020, like 
multiplied because my husband went on a mission to like find everything he could possibly grow. (laughs) And so we have a lot of papaya and banana and avocado and mango. And then he like brought all these new fruits and some that I, uh, that I probably can't even pronounce, but Brazilian fruits. We have now figs, we're growing some cacao. Uh, So a lot that are are still young and haven't started to produce, but we got a whole lot and it's kind of fun because every season we do have a lot of citrus. So in the winter, we have great fresh squeezed orange juice. In the summer, we get mangoes. So it's always changing throughout the year, but yeah, tropical fruit is so much fun. Do you do you sell these and get a little income on the side or you just eat a lot of fruit? You know, it's interesting how that happens because we're, we're on two acres and and there's quite a few fruit trees, but it seems to come just enough that we can eat some, share some, freeze some, and that's about it. We have had seasons where we sold bananas to some, you know, like a smoothie smoothie bars locally because we just had so many bananas. But most of the time, it's just enough to uh, share with friends and and use. Well, that's right. There is in, enough to motivate me to come yes. visit you. Yes. We, oh, we just barely it. eke out one round of blueberries here in this desolate <laughs> wasteland of Oklahoma. But Well, blueberries are my husband's favorite fruit. And so he try, he's trying to grow them here. And I think we've had like two good blueberries. I don't think it gets cold out. enough there, Monica. Sorry <laughs> to say. Nope. Yeah. I know. I know. He's trying though. He won't give up. <laughs> well, our time always goes so quickly when we have interesting, exciting, inspiring people on our podcast, Andrew. And I and I love, Monica, that we're basically members of the Mutual Admiration Society. You have mm-hmm. been a fan of IEW for years. You know, we've had conversations about, okay, what do I do with Levi this year? And um, You've been so helpful. <laughs> structure and style for students, I think, is what he's working on right now and seeing mm-hmm. Andrew mm-hmm. as his teacher. And fix-it grammar. And fix-it grammar, yeah. So mm-hmm. we're just uh, happy to be able to promote you as you promote us mm-hmm. and overall make this world a better place. <laughs> That's Amen. what we hope. Thank you, Monica. Oh, thank you so much. It's been great talking to you guys. God bless you. Thanks so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify. Or just visit us each week at IEW.com podcasts. Here you can also find show notes and relevant links from today's broadcast. One last thing. Would you mind going to iTunes to rate and review our podcast? This really helps other smart, caring listeners like you find us. Thanks so much.